Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, all you animal-loving people out there, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm your host, Marie Hewitt, and I hope you all are staying dry and warm. We're happy to have some rain, finally, in sunny Southern California, but we definitely have some dangerous driving conditions, so please be safe out there. Now, I want to tell you about a really special person who not only works to help homeless dogs and cats, but she is also an advocate for gigantic animals, including elephants in our local zoos. Melia Kaplan from Voice for the Animals has stopped by the pet place on a number of occasions in the past to raise awareness about the plight of elephants in zoos. And today she has some really good news about a legal ruling that will help improve the lives of local captive elephants. Of course, she has cool stories about dogs and cats, too. So I am really looking forward to chatting with her about all of this. Then, after our halftime break, dog talk diva Camilla Gray-Nelson is going to explain how our leaders can learn a few things about solving world problems from dogs. Seriously. So keep your radio tuned to KJAZZ 88.1 FM, and we'll be back after a quick message from the station. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and I'm so pleased to welcome Melia Kaplan back to the program. It's been a long time, so good morning, Melia. Good morning, Marie. Thank you for inviting me back. I'm so pleased to be here. Well, you were always so interesting to speak with because you were such an amazing advocate for animals. And last we spoke, you were working on a project that involved the elephants at the Los Angeles Zoo. And I know it's been a while since we've spoken about that. So why don't we update our listeners on on where we are with all of that? Well, um, we actually got the lawsuit through, and the judge determined that bullhooks were not to be used at the Los Angeles Zoo anymore, so we won that part of it, which we're very pleased about, and actually that moved into the second part, and the city council just recently has outlawed the use of bullhooks in the city of Los Angeles, which means that Ringling Brothers, or any circus, or any entertainment, quote-unquote, that uses bullhooks on elephants, cannot bring those bullhooks into the city. Unfortunately, it's a three-year phase-in, which we're not happy about, but it is now in law, and we're so pleased. City Council voted 15 to 0 to pass it. Oh, that is wonderful news. Isn't that amazing? And and how about our friends at the Los Angeles Zoo? How did that elephant enclosure case go along? Well, it it was very difficult. We wanted to close the whole elephant enclosure because as many of us stood up in front of city council numerous times and informed them and reminded them that we are in an economic crunch in the city and to spend $42 million on an elephant exhibit was not priority for the citizens of the city or for anybody in this city. But unfortunately, they went ahead and built that exhibit, which we're not thrilled about. Um, 
But at least they're not using bolt hooks, so we got well, that good. far. That's good. Yeah. And I know you had a lot of kids that were helping you out, too. We did. We did indeed. In fact, uh, they were my students from Crossroads and New Road Schools, and we made a film called Elephants and Man. And if anybody wants a free copy, they can go to our website, uh, bftafoundation.org, and just email us, and we will send them a free copy of the film. It's a great film. The kids started it, and... It's just amazing. It's got a lot of information on how elephants came into to be into captivity from the wild, how they came to be in zoos and circuses, and the whole history of the L.A. Zoo. It's quite an informative and well-done film, and the kids did a brilliant job. Oh, it sounds spectacular, and I bet the yes. kids really learned so much by working on that project, too. They did. They did indeed. You're a wonderful and, mentor. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and we, we had an opening of it a couple of years ago, and we had Cher, who's absolutely a wonderful elephant advocate, and, of course, Lily Tomlin, who is always a great spokeswoman for the elephant. Definitely. So we had a lot of support, and it really really helped educate people at large about the issues. Elephants do not belong in captivity, and goodness knows they certainly don't belong riding bicycles in tutus. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now let's uh, move down the size scale a little bit. I understand you have a working kitty cat program. <laughs> yes, we do. It's something that when I got into uh animal, uh, to be an animal activist, I, I looked at all the issues, and one thing that never seemed to have a solution was the issue of feral cats. Uh -huh. um, they get, you know, cats are brought in as feral, or they're either born or found in, in the wild in our neighborhoods, never socialized, and basically they're killed at the shelters. That's right. uh, and that's just horrible. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wait a minute, this just doesn't make any sense because they must have a place in the community. And many years ago, it was 1999, actually, I was down at the Dowtown Flower Mart buying some flowers for a friend of mine's birthday, and I saw this guy and he was coughing, and I, I, I just, I went up to him, it was just so heavy and I said well what's going on he said oh they spray poison in the atmosphere to get rid of the rats and I said really he said yes and I, I said well is it working he said no I said, well, how <laughs> working long on the people it? and he said a hundred years <laughs> I said, well I would think that would be enough time to know that something's not working so I went to the head of the flower mart and I said look this is crazy you guys have been spraying poison exterminating poisons into the atmosphere, it goes into our lungs, into the water table, into the soil, and you're spraying it to kill the rats, and it doesn't kill the rats, and it, all it's making are people sick. It's not working. hundred years is enough time to know something doesn't work. <laughs> I <laughs> would say so. <laughs> I said, listen, give me a chance. Let me bring in cats. Let me bring in three cats. If they doesn't work, because cats are top-line predators to rats, and it's actually not, they don't actually kill the animals, the rats. What they did is the eau de cat and the rats disappear. So I said to the guy, listen, let me bring in three cats. If in a month nothing happens, I'll take them back. And he was not a cat lover. So oh, he wow. Reluctantly, but he had to try something. It was getting crazy. He was having a lot of illnesses, a lot of downtime. It was costing his company money. So he agreed, and that was 1999, and they have absolutely no rodents in the flower mart at Seriously? all anywhere in that downtown area. Wow. Uh, and did they still have just three cats? No, actually, they have a heck of a lot more. Um, they became cat lovers, and the gentleman who was not a cat lover became an incredible cat lover and started adopting cats, and everybody in the mart started adopting cats. It actually took on a life of its own that I didn't even imagine. These cats, people were so happy that these cats were doing such a great job, they became cat lovers, people who ordinarily, previously, really hated cats, all of a sudden loved cats. 
because they saw what a great job the cast were doing, and there were no bodies found or any of that. So it was really a wonderful situation. And in fact, <laughs> I thought there were we no did, bodies found. <laughs> yeah, nothing because they have by you know we sign a contract in which they have to feed the cats and give them fresh food and water every day. Oh, that's good. So, so, so these cats, cats are basically lounging in the sunshine, getting pet by all the passerbys. And well, actually, you know what? They're first of all they're they're indoors. Okay. Um, and you never see them because they're feral and they're never touched. If, oh. Our rule is if a cat turns domestic, which sometimes feral cats do because really you don't know what a feral cat is. Right. Sometimes they mark a feral cat as feral, but the cat's really scared. Exactly. So our rule is if a cat can be touched, we pull them out of there and we find the cat at home. Oh, Only nice. those cats which are truly feral and cannot be touched are the ones we leave in situations like that. Okay. And they're well protected. They're up in the rafters of the flower mart. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Do you have any photos of this? Oh, yes. There's photos on our website. Okay, and that is VFTD, or VFTA, I'm sorry, Uh .com, foundation.org. I'm messing it all up. VFTAfoundation.org. That's it. That's it. There's photos all over. And we, in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, put some two cats into the equine center of Los Angeles Police Department. And they're really happy about that. And we've got cats in many of the police stations today to use them as rodent control. In fact, at Foothill Division, the rats were eating the criminal files. So we put cats in there. (laughs) However, if people do want more information or want to do this, we would suggest they contact us because there's a correct way of recolonizing the cats. You can't just take them them from a shelter and dump them at a location. That will not work. You have to recolonize them. And there's specific ways to do that in order to make it successful and not problematic or dangerous for the cats. Wow. Mm-hmm. That is quite something. Okay, now I know you have a lot more programs in this, and one of the things mm-hmm. I was real interested in is your program where you will rescue animals from shelters on their yeah. very last day before being euthanized. And you have some pretty uh, touching stories, and I'm wondering yeah. if you could share a couple. Sure. We've just in the last three months taken out a number of dogs um, from horrible situations. We haven't taken out cats only because we've been rescuing cats off Skid Row. Okay. We've taken out hundreds of cats off Skid Row with horrible diseases. Oh, and we got them homes, we got them vet care. So, But we've been concentrating on the dogs in the shelters on their last day. We have Lily, who we took, who was tossed out of a car and hit by a car, oh. who had absolutely no use of her back legs, and she was scheduled to be euthanized. We took her out an hour before. And today, wow. Lily is running. Not only walking, she is running. Oh, so they were able to treat the legs. We treated them with lots of different kinds of therapy, ball therapy, and uh, our wonderful um, holistic vet, Dr. Mark Batan, who did laser treatment and acupuncture on her and got feeling back into her legs, massage, everything. And she is just in great shape. What kind of dog Um, is she? She is a little tiny mixed Maltese sort of doggy. Aww. She's adorable. And Absolutely she was sweet. tossed out of a car? Yeah, and run over by a oh, car. That yeah, is she had awful. no feeling from her waist all the way down, her tail, her back legs. No feeling, no use. So she's and a now total miracle. all that is back and she's doing fabulous. And she has um, a new home. Huh? And she has a new home. 
Yes, she does. Well, she, we're working on a new home. Right now she's still in therapy. She's still okay. has a couple of more weeks of therapy. Okay. And then we're going to be, um, we have somebody very interested in her. And uh, the other doggy we took out is Duncan. Uh, Duncan's owner broke his leg and then turned him into the shelter. And the shelter, the, because, the you know. The owner broke his own leg mm-hmm, or he broke mm-hmm. his dog's leg? Broke the broke. Duncan's leg broke the dog's leg. Oh. Uh, Duncan is a seven-pound uh, Brussels Griffon, uh-huh. and he came in with a broken leg. They were going to euthanize him. Mm-hmm. His leg had been in a cast, and they were going to amputate. The shelter was going to amputate, and I said, no, 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 we do not amputate. We took that dog, got him to our wonderful vet, Dr. Bill Carlson, and um, we are treating him now, and, and we did a bone graft a couple of weeks ago. It's taking, and it's just, we're, it's a healing process. Mm-hmm. And he's in a wonderful foster, and he's an adorable little dog with a little cute underbite. Just so sweet. Aww. And it's amazing how these animals forgive our species for the horrible things that we've done to them. Well, I hope his owner was arrested. I doubt it. <laughs> Usually it's very hard to get to these people because nobody knows it. Nobody, they, they, they turn the animals into the shelter and nobody's able to really follow up on that. It's unfortunate. Wow. Um, we also took in Snoopy, 10 years old, who was a, is a beautiful little beagle mix. And he has, oh my goodness, ear infection and arthritis. And um, his ears were a mess and a dental problems and you name it, everything. And he was so sad and he was scheduled to be, to be euthanized. We took him out an hour before. And uh, Snoopy, we just got him into our vet about a week ago, and he is just doing great. We had surgery done. We took out a couple of really infected teeth, cleaned his ears out, got him neutered, and just <laughs> did everything. He's in great shape, and yeah. he's got a home. Amelia, <laughs> it is so wonderful what you're doing with Voice for the Animals, and I hope you'll continue your advocacy for many, many more years to come. Let's remind everybody what your website is. I'm not going to say it because I blow it. <laughs> org. Please go to our website, take a look. I think you'll enjoy it, and give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. Great. Thank you so much. Now Thank we you, need Marie. To, you're very welcome. We need to take a very quick break now, but don't go away because we'll be right back on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and joining me now is the one and only dog talk diva, Camilla Gray Nelson. Good morning, Camilla. How are you today? Good morning, Marie. I'm terrific. Thanks. Yay. I'm so glad you're here today because I have heard, and I actually agree with you, by the way, that our elected officials could take a few pointers from our canine companions in the area of solving world problems. (laughs) How true, how true, yes. (laughs) Can you expand on this? (laughs) Oh, where do I begin? Let me just say this, that, that animals in group settings, such as dogs, which is my specialty, are experts at collaboration. Okay. And, um, and, and that is all about the give and the take of a, of a social interaction. They don't take things personally. Absolutely. They they don't hold grudges. They don't hold grudges. They bounce um, back from very any kind of tragedy. Yeah, about what needs to get done. Mm-hmm. And 
because of the collaborative nature of a dog pack or a social group of animals where you don't get emotions involved, they are able to work together as a group. Not, you know, sameness does not exist. Equality does not exist in Mm -hmm. a dog group or an animal pack. But because of the beauty of the differentiation in in a social group, it is able to function and achieve goals. Absolutely. I just think probably the the sniffing that some dogs do when they greet each other might be uh, offensive. <laughs> oh, I've always said the next party I give, all the name tags are going to go on the behind. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be a fun party. Yeah, that'll be a fun party. I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> hey, I have a question for you. You know, a lot of people ask me why dogs seem to listen to men more they more so than they listen to women. Like if a, a man gives a command to a dog, the dog will instantly do it. But if a woman in the same household gives that same command, the dog just kind of looks at her and goes, yeah, whatever. What, why does that happen? <laughs> well, I wrote about that because for 25 years as a professional dog trainer, which is what I do, it's the women that always had the problems. And so um, I ended up writing a book about that. And there's two main reasons. One is that the animal world is male-oriented. Okay. So dogs will automatically expect a leader to be male. Oh, that's interesting. That's just a fact. Okay. It's not good or bad. It just is, right? Um. So women start out with a strike or two against them when they're trying to be taken seriously. The other thing is that women cut their own power off at the knees through their daily life with their animals by relating to them in a way which they think conveys love, but the animal infers, the animal uh, interprets it as weakness. For example, being overly permissive, mm-hmm. accommodation not. is a sign of weakness in the animal world. So oh, okay. being overly permissive to your dog because you don't want to stress them out or you mm-hmm. you know, you think that's going to be the loving thing to do, the dog reads that as subordinate behavior. I so see. dogs, do, and believe me, animals do not obey lower-ranking members of their social group. Neither do people. Mm-hmm. One of the problems with so, dogs. So anyway. what should a woman do to make sure that she's respected by the animals in her household so that if there's an emergency and she really needs them to listen, she can be confident that they will listen to her? Right, and that takes that takes awareness and practice. So beyond the excessive accommodation, women tend to be too emotional okay. with their dogs. And emotional extremes are also a sign of weakness in the animal world. I see. So, um, so it, what should a woman it, actually do then to make sure that she has the correct relationship with her pets? Just follow through. Okay, so be as consistent as and follow through. So if you ask your dog, for example, if you ask your dog to come and he stays in the other end of the house because he doesn't feel like it at the moment... Mm-hmm. The wrong thing to do is scream and threaten because that actually makes you appear worried and weak. The thing to do is calmly take a walk towards your dog, get his little collar, calmly walk him to where you called from, calmly, 
and reward the dog at that point. Follow through, follow through, follow through. The calmer you are, the stronger you appear. Okay. And that's a real big issue for many people, not just women, but um, I think women are more at fault in the over-accommodation well, I, I do know that a lot of people will, will shout at their dogs if they don't do what they're, they're told yeah. to do. And I think that's especially funny if a dog accidentally gets outside and starts running down the street and the owner <clears throat> stands out there screaming at it, get over here right now, you know, and the dog turns around and looks at its owner. And, Are you crazy? Yeah, I'm <laughs> not coming to you. I don't think so. So they're very again, they're very pragmatic. You uh-huh. know? A dog will make every decision based on what's best for him. Exactly. You know do you know dogs have no desire to please their owners? Oh really? None. None whatsoever. Wow. They have a desire to please themselves. Okay. Now the smart owner will make what they're at, they're asking their dog to do for them pleasant for the dog. That's because really then the dog will choose to obey because it knows it will turn out good for them. Now, don't you feel that a lot of dogs really do uh, enjoy getting praise when they do something that, that their own Every dog. Do? Okay. All of us enjoy getting praise. Absolutely. So, but, but, so praise makes the behavior pleasant for whom? Well, that's true. It does make the behavior pleasant for the dog, but, but wouldn't you then associate that with the dog is trying to please the owner so that they get the 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 praise and yes. the acceptance? Yes. Okay. But the end result is, is their pleasure. Okay. They're, they're, they don't care if you're happy. That's they care. They care that by making you happy, life is good for them. I see. That's a very interesting philosophy. Well, I have truth. not heard you that know, one before. Dogger is a pleasure not pleasing. <laughs> okay, okay. Pleasure not pleasing, which doesn't make them any less wonderful. I mean, but that's the secret to training, you see. Oh, the secret okay. to training, if you're hung up on the fact that your dog doesn't love you or won't, won't obey because, because it doesn't want to please you, you're barking up the wrong tree. Okay. You're, you're, you're going to be a leader that the wise dog trainer will make every behavior pleasant for the dog. Okay. Every behavior pleasant for the dog. Because the dog, in the end, is the one that decides, do I do it or don't I do it? They have all the cards, you see. I see. I Dogs see. hold all the cards. And the more, and, and, and then it gets related, and then it, then it ties back into what we were saying earlier, and that is... Um, to be a believable leader to your dog, you need to be the one that follows through on your requests and your commands. Well, that makes sense. And then you need to be the one who sets bound. Leadership in the animal world is not about a cookie. Leadership in the animal world is about boundaries and limits, and that's the total story. Okay. Boundaries and limits. The dog, the top dog, did not get to that position because he had a bag of cookies. Now you do teach new behaviors. With every new behavior is taught with a positive reward because again, 
that's the nature of the dog to do what they enjoy, right? And some dogs might be treat motivated, and some dogs might be praise motivated. So you've got to kind of figure which well, your dog is. Well, all new behaviors have to be positively reinforced. That's mm-hmm. how every new behavior is learned. Every well, that, new that, that's true for everybody because everybody, nobody's going to repeat a behavior where they have a, a negative exactly. <laughs> exactly. consequence. But but leadership is something in a whole other category. A dog will listen to, obey, and take seriously. When they have a difference of opinion, they will defer to the to a, a, a member of their social group which they believe has greater power than them. Okay. And power is determined not through cookies. That's how you train a trained behavior. Okay. A parlor trick. Power is determined by who who sets the rules. Okay. Who sets the boundaries? Who sets the rules? For example, if you allow your dog to jump on you, you're not the dog has a higher status than you because you're not you're not you're not setting a boundary. Okay. Disallow the dog jumping and you've you've notched yourself up one um, one position. Okay. And then the dog is more likely to listen to you when you say off because you have actually disallowed it in the past. And then when they do stay off, you can reward the dog. Oh, so they sense. enjoy not jumping more than they enjoy jumping. You see how it's all related? Absolutely. Yeah. And I understand that, that you wrote a book and you have a lot of this information in your book. Can you um, tell everybody what the name of the book is and where they can right. find it? Right. I wrote a book entitled Lipstick and the Leash, Dog <laughs> Training a Woman's Way. Ah. By popular demand over 25 years of, of my career because I had, through time, developed techniques that work not only for me, I'm a, I'm a woman and I'm a very small woman, but I can train any dog. Oh, cool. um, I borrowed all that I had learned as a farm girl growing up on the ranch here in Northern California from other animals that lived in social groups, and I, and I identified how those leaders in that animal group worked their magic. They well, stayed calm. They followed through. They didn't apologize when they set a boundary. Okay. And the other animals that looked up to them and followed them were absolutely in in awe and admiration and willingly followed, not because they were afraid, because they admired. And so I wrote Lipstick and the Leash a couple of years ago, and it has been so successful, and I use it in part of all of my training programs here at Dairy Dell Canine up in Petaluma, up in Petaluma, California, mm-hmm. uh, still on the ranch, but uh, now I've converted from cows to canines and share nature's secrets of nature's secrets of of leadership with all of my clients. Fantastic, Camilla. We're going to have to uh, have our re- our listeners all. Find out more by reading your book, Lipstick and the Leash, Dog Training a Woman's Way. I'm assuming we could find that at Amazon and all the other normal book retailers. Amazon and LipstickandTheLeash.com. Wonderful. It is time to take our last break of the morning, but when we return, get set for Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. (laughs) 
We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. I have been talking about the big Westie Rescue Annual St. Patrick's Day Walkathon for a while now, but I wanted to remind you that it is tomorrow. Obviously, that's not the real St. Patrick's Day, but they're celebrating anyway. So at 9.30 a.m. tomorrow, make sure you're at Edison Park on Stillwell Drive in Huntington Beach to register and walk. It's not too late to get some names added to your pledge sheets and gather donations for this fun event. Prizes for raising varying levels of funds will be awarded. Snacks and water are also provided, as well as hot dogs and other yummy stuff. For more information, visit www.westyrescueoc.com. Well, that's all for me today. Remember... Pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please spare new to your pets and have a wonderful day. Mm-hmm.